0: And welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. My name is Richard Davis, and I'm joined by my good buddy, Ethan Huffman. Now, Ethan, we are about halfway through this phenomenal second round of the NBA playoffs. Ethan, how are you doing?
1: It's been a, been an electric time out here. Obviously, the Blazers, um, they just recently dropped down to be series tied 2-2. Two two. But, you know, it's a good time out here. Hopefully, they, for my sake, they... He pushed through, but also the games have been exciting. There hasn't been a whole lot of, like, blowouts. I mean, we, we reserved those for the Bucks and Celtics, honestly. Um, Sixers have done done one, real bad one. But, um, yeah, it's been good. Good competitive games what we'd like to see.
0: Yeah, it's been – it's exactly what I want to see. I want to see every single game go to seven. You I mean, any listener knows come playoff time once Pistons are eliminated. I am pushing for seven games in every single series – I want to make sure that the uh, that the cap and tax levels are bumped up as high as they possibly can be. Uh, right. This is what I'm here for, Ethan.
1: Richard just needs you need to stop worrying about the owners' pockets.
0: No, it's it's not that. It's I I want a little bit. I want a little bit more space uh, for the Pistons to work with. I want us to be able to, you know.
1: See, I I disagree with your your idea because that's just you know more space for them to bleep up. So I I I root for less space. Don't give them the opportunity to.
0: Listen, I, I have full trust in the Pistons, but we're not here to talk about the Pistons. Um, So we're here to talk about the playoffs. Let's go ahead and get started, Ethan, with, with the Eastern Conference. Uh, let's go ahead and get started with the Bucs. Currently, two wins to one over the Boston Celtics, where, you know, right after Paul Pierce said it's over. Well, it's, it, you know, the, the tides have turned, shall we say.
1: Yeah, no, it certainly wasn't over. No one thought so. And honestly, the the big change in the series to date is the the Bucks start in, greatly increased their shooting percentages. They started making their threes that they were taking. Miritich and, you know, George Hill have, you know, come off the bench effectively. Giannis Antetokounmpo is making threes, which is is the shocker of all shockers. But ultimately, the teams have just uh worked their way back into into game shape and uh, the Celtics have not played well.
0: But here's the thing, Ethan. So Boston should know right off the bat, like we we shouldn't be going out and and challenging this dude's three-point shots. Like you want to give him those shot attempts. And you know what? In the first couple of games, they were doing so. Problem is he was three for five in the the, uh, first game. Second game, he went and made two for four. So five for nine, you're not feeling super comfortable. But here's the thing. You still got to let him shoot from out there. You can't be challenging him. You can't be going out and uh closing out hard on him because the moment you close out hard, it is literally over. And while yes, you don't want to give up, up open threes and threes are greater than twos. Um, that's just simply not the case because when Giannis takes it to the hole, that is uh two points per possession literally every single time. Um yeah. you gotta hack the dude in order to to you know have any semblance of a shot there. And so for for me, Ethan. You can't be going in and sit. you you can't let Giannis attempt only one three. You can't be closing on him that hard.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean just just for example, like there was a, like the one that's in my memory is the Al Horford closing out, and then it was one dribble, one step, and a dunk. Yeah. and it's just like and Al Horford. Like you can see him in the reaction as soon as Giannis got past him. He's like, "Yeah, I just made a horrible mistake. Why? What was I doing?" And yeah, that, that's the mentality you gotta have. It, it's it's weird because obviously. Like, anyone who's played pickup, even when you know a guy can't shoot, like, if it's, you know, frantic end-of-game moments, like, you you panic about a guy getting an open shot. Well, that's how every possession is in the NBA. Like, that's how your brain works. And, like, to see a guy wide open, you're like, oh, I have to take a step towards him. But you got to you gotta te- train yourself. You got to teach yourself, do the Andre Drummond. Nah. Wave mm-hmm. your hand at exactly. him and turn around.
0: And the thing is, Ethan, you say just, you know, one, one dribble to the rim from the three-point line. A man took one dribble from the opposite three point line and dunked it from the free throw line against the Pistons. So mm-hmm. a man can get anywhere on the court with one dribble he wants. You can't close out on him that hard. So I, I'm looking for, for Boston to adjust that um a bit. And I want to see Giannis taking five and hopefully he makes just like one of those um yeah. in, in the future.
1: So the other player on the Bucks that's been uh, the model of consistency for the most part is um, Chris Milton. Now we, we, we bemoaned his issue of not taking enough threes in uh, game one. Well, he rectified that in game two and he's shooting a blister in 65% from three in this series. Now, now Richard, when we we talk about Chris Middleton, we often say, well, he's in that next level of stars. Like he's, he made an all-star team. Maybe he'll make another one, but he's, he's not all that in terms of being a, a, you know, a great player. Like, is, is he just found like the perfect player to play next to in Giannis, like a usage God, who then like you're there to hit the shots when the ball comes to you? Because could, could is he going to do better if he gets more usage if he were to go somewhere else and be like you know maybe the best player on this team?
0: No, I mean he he's where he needs to be. He needs to stick around in Milwaukee. I mean if he goes somewhere else, I think he can still do well, but it's just going to be doing what he's currently doing. It's not like. Yeah. He's at this level, and then oh, if I if I have more opportunity, I'm jumping up a whole nother level. I don't see that type of uh, of I don't see a, like a Victor Oladipo style jump from yeah. him. Um, what he is able to do, though, the perfect situation for him is playing against this Boston Celtics team because he just continues to kill them. I don't I don't know yeah. why or, or or how it just it just whenever he faces this team full of what would it, you'd imagine a plethora of wings just completely destroys them.
1: Yeah, you think they'd have a, you know, the either diversity of looks they can throw at him or, you know, just enough, just the right look to, you know, slow him down offensively, but it hasn't happened this year and it didn't happen last year. He gets to his spots, he gets his shots to go and like, he's he's playing phenomenally. Um honestly like you know, I'd like to see him be even a little bit more aggressive. But I mean with with Giannis as the usage god that he is, um you maybe maybe this is the the perfect little amount of 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 work for him
0: yeah i mean I guess it's just i'd rather like stick Jalen brown like I don't understand why it continues to happen but anyway you know, it does and uh you know for what it's worth i hope you you know hope you can to slide it up for a piston you know and you know how <laughs> yeah. i feel about that just just to kind of make me feel a little bit worse about myself.
1: Yeah, I hear you there. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about this series, you might have something else, but is is the Kyrie Irving assessment? Because I have I have some problems with the way he's playing, and it's not about making or missing shots. Because obviously, he's he, after game one, he's had a tough time with with getting shots to fall. But it's a, it's a style he's electing to play with now. Kyrie is, is is the lead dog on this team. He is the team's best player. And with that in mind, he is, you know, trying to do it all for this team. But I, I need him to quit with this um, seven, seven assisted game stuff. I, I need him to focus. I'm getting buckets, and I will just literally kick it back out when I don't have something. And I think he's looking, to, you know, he's looking to be that team guy and, and get his players, his uh, his teammates involved. But honestly, that's all this team needs. You have an Al Horford at the center position who is very much that guy. You have a Gordon Hayward off the bench who is very much that guy. Like, you have plenty of guys on this team who have the capacity to keep the ball moving once you kick it out. Or you just have the guys who can make the shots. get their own buckets. Kyrie, you need to get get your focus on the rim or into your step-back threes, and nothing else needs to be your concern.
0: So, I I agree. Kyrie needs to just say, you know what, guys, we're going to – you need to have more of those times, more of those spurts where he's just taking, taking over the game because I'm, I'm sorry. Um, you, you really don't have an answer for Kyrie. Even though, you know, you think you have, um, you know, Eric Bledsoe and he's a great, you know, he's, he's a good guard. He's a strong, but here's the thing. Kyrie Irving can get whatever, whatever shot he wants to. Um, here's one more thing. I have a question about Ethan. Um, so after game one, um, you know, Coach Bud said, We're not making any adjustments. We're just running it back. We're doing whatever. But obviously, adjustments have been made. One big adjustment that has been made is just the overall, um, you know, playing time scheme starters. In fact, uh, Miritich has gotten the start game two and three um, over Sterling Brown, who started game one. Sterling Brown has worked his way completely out of the rotation by the time game three had finished. And so, how has this, how has Miritich? Getting in that lineup, being uh, another guy who can space the floor, but being a big, how how has that affected the way that this series um, has gone?
1: Well, I think Meritage is underrated defensively, and his ability to you know stick with um, even go- like wings and guards well enough to like keep them you know disturbed is a huge factor. But ultimately, it's his ability to do so much on the offensive end. He's got a sixty percent true shooting, his three point percentage. Um, is is okay? It's not, um, you know what I mean. It's forty three percent. I thought it was lower. I, re- I read the wrong column earlier. So he's he's kick. He's he's, he's doing his job there. But ultimately, he just diversifies your offensive attack. He's a guy who can catch and shoot uh, in a variety of ways. Kind of like he can take those Bellinelli shots. You know, f- uh, jump in from weird angles and it's still a good a good shot. But he also has the ability to you know put it on the floor, two dribbles and see what's at the rim. So he's just got so. He gives you so many more options on the offensive end, and then, like I said, you get more size out there. It's going to help your rebounding, which uh, can be a problem for the Bucks when you know Giannis isn't grabbing them. And then ultimately, like you know, Sterling Brown is is an offensive zero, and he's a little bit undersized to be guarding some of the the Boston wings.
0: He was not an offensive zero against the Pistons. Just want to throw that out there.
1: Well, the, well, the <laughs> Pistons have a bunch of defensive zeros. So we do, we do.
0: The entire wing is a defensive zero for the Pistons uh, outside of Bruce Brown. Um, Yeah, and what's been interesting is with Boston, with with Milwaukee going big, having Meritage there, uh, Boston is staying small, Al Horford being the biggest guy out there and just a bunch of wings and Kyrie. And so it's just an interesting matchup of, of differing styles, which, you know, is nice to see in the NBA.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's definitely good to be seeing some some you know styles mixed fights, as everyone likes to say. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what are you going to do if you're if you're Boston? Like, I don't think Baines is is all that equipped to be a, no. a difference maker in this series. Robert Williams, you know, in two years, might be the kind of guy who can make a difference because he, he's you know if, he, if they put him in the Capella school of of thought, he could be you know that, and then only the Warriors can play him off the floor. Um, so you know. Keep that in mind, people. But ultimately, Richard, I think I think the Bucks have the have the they have the pieces. You know, everything that is is there for Giannis, and okay. it's just ultimately up for, up to him to play play well, and they they win games.
0: Real quick at the end, how do you think the rest of the series plays out?
1: Oh, so what? So we got one more game in Boston tomorrow. Mm. I would say that that one's a tough one to call, but I, I don't think the series goes past six.
0: Mm. Wow
1: but it could cuz boston has you know when when you if you break it down and you know separate you know the chemistry and all that kind of stuff those things are important um but you got giannis is the best player in the series yeah and then it could, you could go kyrie is is number 2 and then it's probably um Al Horford is as, as the third, but then you can really hodgepodge your way around with Chris Middleton at four and the rest of the way down the list. So it's, it's if you're talking just talent Boston still has it and talent, a lot of times wins out in the NBA.
0: Yep. I'm going bucks in seven. Um, I think that they'll figure it out and I'm just picking seven for every single series because you know, you know,
1: cause, cause you know,
0: cause you know, all right. Raptor sixers. <laughs> Tied a beautiful 2-2, you know, aiming to go seven, as uh, warms my heart. And, well, the Raptors definitely got a much needed win. Man, these game fours are really, really uh, just huge, Um, not only for the series because you don't want to go down 3-1, but just because, man, with a lot of these teams in the East, an early bounce out in the second round could mean a completely different Eastern conference come next year uh, with people potentially on the move. And so it was really important for uh, Kawhi and the Raptors to, to win that game uh, even with a hobbled Pascal Siakam.
1: Yeah, there's a lot, a lot on the lines for these two teams. You got Kawhi Leonard who we had Justin on the other um, other day who talked about how we ultimately decide that basketball is not going to be the reason Kawhi stays or leaves in, in Toronto. Although if it does, if there is an early round exit, that doesn't help situation. But basketball uh, situation wise, they have done almost everything flawlessly to put talent around this guy. Um, but ultimately, Philadelphia it, it might not matter. They might win this series, and people still want to leave because like we were talking about before we press record, there's a lot up in the air for these guys in terms of usage, in terms of shots. Um, what's their, like, what's their role in the team? And, um, you know, I, I picked Toronto. I think I thought they were the best team in the East. I picked them to the finals. I, I felt that way for a very long time. Um, but Philadelphia, they are scary because if, if we do the talent game here, um, that starting five is is terrifying.
0: Yes, it, it, it really is. Um, I mean – from top to bottom, uh, they've got guys who can uh who can contribute in a variety of ways or are just really, really great And the one way that they contribute. I'm looking at you, JJ Reddick, with your shooting. Um here's the thing. Joel Embiid. He's like his health came out today, he wasn't feeling well and did not get much sleep, and uh his knee is been bothersome and uh, it's been spoke about as if it's just tendinitis. Um, I, you know, I follow, I don't know if you follow the, the, the pro football doc uh, on Twitter. Anyways, he's a guy who you know, generally watch, watch game film of uh, football plays, people getting injured. And just because he's been around it so much, he tends to know what certain injuries look like. And so he'll, he'll with like about a 95% prediction who can predict what that injury is going to be and he's been questioning every single Philadelphia game is like why does Joel Embiid have the specific brace on that he does it doesn't make sense that it would be just a tendonitis thing um and so point is i'm a little bit concerned uh, about Embiid I mean, he's out there he'll he, he'll do what he does he can still spin and uh and you know contribute really well to the game for me, I just look at the Sixers team as really being the vulnerable team for uh, you know something falling apart. It seems like when it, it's all being to fall apart, Jimmy Butler somehow holds them together and and you know has a ridiculous quarter or something like that, and yep. that's been helpful. But man, uh, it just seems like because they haven't had tons of time to gel, and because it's uh, one ball five guys type of thing, and all these guys wanting to contribute an offense. Um, in their own way, it just seems like they haven't had enough time to really figure it out. And you know if if you end up losing in this second round, then you know perhaps it's not just one of Jimmy or Tobias Lee, but maybe even both. And that would be awful for the Sixers.
1: Yeah, in this hypothetical situation of them both leaving, we gotta look back to the root of like what's happening in these playoffs. And I think the reason Jimmy Butler is playing, you know, so well is is based on the fact that he is really the jackknife of all of these players. He can shoot a little bit. He can dribble quite pretty well. He can um, play defense to it like you know above average uh, abilities. When we, when you look at the rest of the players on this team, there's there's no one who's that like well rounded of a player to use the the vaunted phrase. He's a really solid two way player, but ultimately he's still not the best player on this team. That is Joel Embiid, and I would say Ben Simmons thereafter. But at the, there's just a there's a there's so much in the way of each other on this team. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid don't fit perfectly. You really need to like have guys around the like they don't have the same surrounding talent. Um, I don't even know. I, I can't get the words out. It's just, it doesn't fit. But how are you gonna? How are you gonna get? How are you gonna get rid of uh, Ben Simmons if Joel Embiid's such an injury risk? And how are you gonna get rid of Joel Embiid if he's this legendary, like potentially, f- f- end, end of the career legendary big? Like you're in a really tough situation with whatever you decide to do with these players. And then if you're at the restart after sending all your assets away for Harrison Butler, you didn't. You didn't make the. Uh, you didn't make it happen.
0: Right now, and their bench is been you know really really depleted. Um, you you just look at some of the guys who are actually contributing like legitimate minutes, and it's really only James Ennis who, for whatever reason, like he, did did he get cast in the uh, new Space Jam too as one of like like the guys who goes and steals talent away? Because I've not seen this uh, like he's coming out and like shooting threes and playing well which, you know, has not been the case in his past few stops. And so, but like, because he's playing well, he's one of the only guys actually contributing like Mike Scott's been trash. Uh, Greg Monroe is Greg Monroe. He's been on literally every team in the Eastern conference already yep. almost this year. And and so like, those are the only guys contributing off the bench. That is it. And while Philly's starting five is really, really good, they, you know, because of the the way that they went about getting that, they don't have the depth that, that, you know, they need to. And while it is, yes, the playoffs and the playoff depth doesn't matter as much. You still need to have one of those guys. It's like, you know, I don't know. You,
1: you gotta have, you know, that Gary Neal character, the guy who comes off the bench and for one game in his life is, is just amazing, you know? And like James Dennis, even in his best, um, You know, Heat culture, Miami, Discovery Days. It's that's not him. He ain't it. Mike Scott. He you know he's still coming off. You know some. He's he's a little beat up, a little hurt. What what are you gonna get out of him? We knew Greg Monroe was not gonna do anything. Like no one, no one thought that was a a player that was. He had
0: one game, one game this postseason.
1: Yeah, sure. Even then, like no, we're we're not here for Greg Monroe. I'm not. Um, No. At the end of the day, I I, I just believe in this, the Raptors' continuity. I believe in their actual, you know, diversity and depth of talents. Whereas I think the Seventy Sixers, they get in each other's way a little too frequently. And if you know, then at the end of the day, you say who's the best player in the series, and I'm going to go Kawhi Leonard every time.
0: You saw a lot of Ibaka and um, Mark Gasol uh, in this game, and it seemed to work. Uh, a decent amount because you know Pascal wasn't playing that well you know he started off the first few possessions just taking corner threes and bricking them and uh and it just seemed like he that um you know calf contusion is really bothering him yeah. uh and so you end up seeing more Ibaka uh Gasol minutes and why do you think that was able to be as successful as it was considering that really it's just mb and a bunch of, like, they don't have other big guys unless you consider Ben Simmons as yeah. that other big. And so that's the reason why it can be allowed to happen.
1: And, and that's that's what I'm seeing out there is that if, if you have a Saul and a block on the floor together, it really has to come when Simmons and Embiid share the floor as well, which it, that doesn't happen as often as as you would would think, but it does, it does occur. Um, and that's because if you're going to double someone, it's really nice to double them with two bigs, especially if it's an Embiid character. And you know if it's Ibaka and Gasol there, that's a lot of length to try to pass out of. And you, know, you have Ben Simmons, who um, his reluctance to develop as a good off-ball player, all you to do is be a cutter. Like his willingness to shoot is is a problem, but it's it's not as detrimental as his like he doesn't seem to like find the holes on the floor as well as as he should. Um, but that that's where I'm at, and that's the problem. Um, ben, you you gotta you gotta. Yeah, I work on that jumper. Don't and, shoot right-handed, though.
0: And for as much as I was knocking the the Sixers' depth, Ibaka is the only guy off the bench that got more than seven minutes. He got thirty-two.
1: Oh, and and part of, part is that because Fred VanVleet's been very bad in the series. Yep. Um, Patrick McCall, call like you know he's been kind of exposed in like his entire career post Warriors mm-hmm. and Norm Powell, who I I, I like. <laughs> he's you know he's a six four power forward functionally. <laughs> like he's, he's 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 having a terrible go of it from time to time. But I think Norm Powell at least if he played with the starters, I think he his his role it, it works out much better as as that off ball presence just going towards the rim because he can't get up for a, and pack a punch uh going at the rim. But hey, Kawhi Leonard played well. What what are you gonna do? Why why are you take him out, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean Kawhi Leonard playing forty three minutes. Um
1: and played well the entire time.
0: Yep, and he was like, it's just really amazing how well he shot. He, you know, shooting 13 of of 20 from the field, five of seven from three. It was really amazing to see to him offensively just be a complete robot and make every single shot. It was beautiful.
1: Let's, oh, if this if this works, a transition, Richard. I want to do this. Let's talk about Kawhi Leonard and James Harden comparatively. So James Harden obviously is you know broke. Broke the mold in terms of how you to be an efficient basketball player uh, during this regular season and last regular season, but I think a problem he's having with postseason. I think I've seen I've seen on Twitter I, I can't credit who it was, but so, someone brought like brought it up and put it in my brain that he needs to diversify his game a little bit. This whole layups and threes exclusive club is leading to him being a little predictable. It might have been Jalen Rose on the broadcast that said it. But he needs to diversify his game a little bit. I think that's what makes Kawhi so special is he really doesn't care what shot he, he's going to get. He's just going to get a good open look. And I think James Harden could take a little bit from that part of Kawhi's game and translate it over. Because James Harden, if you can get an op- a wide open midranger because people are bailing out for your layups and bailing out to close out on your threes, it's okay to take it.
0: Yeah, I mean – with the way that Daryl Moore and the Rockets have really exposed this, you know, they're trying to get at the three highest um, points for possession locations that there are on the floor, beyond the arc, right at the rim and at the free throw line. And at the free throw line being the biggest one. And in the playoffs, teams, not only not only might the whistle, um, you know, not go your way uh, with, within the playoffs, but also, teams begin to scheme for you. They scheme for you differently, and and defenses are trying to take away um, very specific spots. A lot of teams might say, we're taking away the three-pointer, we're taking away the rim, we're we're approaching it this way, and in doing that, they will naturally open up other parts of the floor for you. And the problem is that the Rockets, with, with them focusing in on, we need to have it be, you know, playing the percentages, we're trying to get the the highest point expectancy that we possibly can offensively. They're not taking necessarily what the defense is giving them. And obviously, you know, if the defense is giving you a long two, a bad shot, you know, um, quote unquote, a bad shot. Then you don't want to just be forced to taking those over and over and over again. But, you know, it might not be bad to sprinkle in a, a little bit of mid range. And, you know, hard to try to look at that with some of the floaters. It just hasn't worked out as well. Um,
1: and I think that's what I'm getting to is like, yeah, he's worked in that floater and that floater is, a, is an effective shot for him. But, and I'm not saying he needs to go, you know, Carmelo for mid range, but you need to have it where that's something that you're willing to do. Like I, tonight on a uh, Dame Lord in the fourth quarter, got his game rolling with a step back mid ranger that he got so open on because the defense was crashing so hard to help him at the, defend him at the rim when he got past um, Gary Harris. And I uh, I do think, you know, Dave, I think Dame's doing it right. He's, you know, sometimes I think not being assertive enough, but he's doing it right and finding that balance to get into the mid-range and and mainly still focusing on threes and layups. Um, but so, someone on that Rockets team needs to be the, the mid-range guy because if that is the hole in the defense, and you have a guy who can take advantage of it, like you know, like a Kevin Durant, like a James Harden, like a Damian Lurie, a CJ McCollum is the Blazers perfect example that he he's very good from it. You're not gonna tell him to not do it. Um, you gotta find that that option. And I I think I think it needs to be a portion of his game.
0: Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe a little bit. Right now they've tried to totally like weed it out almost entirely. I think maybe it's need a to a, yeah, maybe you need to have a little bit. Um uh, as the playoffs go along just because of how defenses will scheme against you um so but here's the thing though they were able to get a win um able to uh snag one now they're only down uh two games to one against the uh golden state warriors we're able to close it out with a um really really bad game from steph curry you know you would have thought uh ethan Ike. Based off of social media, you would have thought that Steph Curry just went out there, sat at mid court, and just that—that that was all he did all game. Just just sat at mid court, twiddled his thumbs, and that's what it, you know. You would have. It sounds like that's all he did. Ethan, tell me tell me that that's not what happened.
1: Well, it's not what happened. He, but he did play a poor game, and the decision to go for a dunk when the game was still. Hanging in the balance when you are not someone, like you are someone who shocks people when you dunk. Thus, you can't be going for dunks when the game's uh, still swinging. But that that really, uh, you know, finished off the night of just an atrocity for a Stephen Curry guy. Here's the thing, um, I'm I'm all for giving giving Steph the blues for having a bad game because I want fairness. You know, this is the kind of thing we do to Russell Westbrook when he has a bad game. The thing is. Unlike Stephen Curry, Stephen Curry is just playing his game. He's taking the shots he's supposed to take. He just happens to be missing them. Um, you could argue Kevin Durant, he's shooting six for ten from three. He's you know having a pretty you know normal game and like just 46 points, got to the free throw line 12 times. Hey, that's how that's how I feel about Kevin Durant. He should he can do that at any time he wants. Like, so maybe this is not the time for you to, you know, especially in the final three minutes, for you to go hero ball. Kevin Durant seemed to have something working for him. But at the end of the day, he's Steph Curry. This is still his team. He's he's going to do stuff. Um, he just he just missed a night. You know, good shooters sometimes have bad nights. Uns- yeah. Like, surprisingly.
0: Yeah. Um. I, I'm not concerned. No. I, the, why and, would you? Well, I mean – just sounds like this is the way that things go the narrative the overreaction people are going to be ready to pile it on bad game this is here's what it is ethan this is the Derek white you know situation that we had i once wanted to praise him for having a good game we just want to tell you know say steph curry you had a bad game but that doesn't mean that that's what's going to continue the rest of the series, right, Ethan? Yeah,
1: it certainly won't. It certainly <laughs> won't. Now, here's the thing. Steph Curry bends the defense like no player in NBA history. Damian, yes. Lillard, Damian Lillard might shoot from the same range and with you know relatively the same effectiveness, um, but – defenders still aren't like you know they're not double teaming him when he crosses half court which happens to step just to force it out of his hands like that does not happen to you know even the the you know other great guard that takes the long threes Damian Loward. so keep that in mind people this guy has every this is the prime thing every defense is set for you know you can't guard Kevin Durant why are you going to focus on it you got you, you got to shut down curry that's the idea
0: see the thing is not only like we think about you know off the dribble threes from 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 deep you know that that's what we associate with with Steph and now you know Dame but the off the ball that Steph uh can do really just continues to uh, tear defenses apart and you know really cause your complete attention to be on it you can't for a moment blink when you're guarding Steph Curry and every, so
1: every Iguodala dunk is because of Stephen Curry
0: Oh yeah like like this Iguodala resurgence as if he is um you know i don't i don't (laughs) even know you you made a bad tweet about him (laughs) i did oh oh i mean granted i gotta i gotta remember that i i shouldn't be tweeting about um andre iguodala regular season or or you just i just i just need to be keep keep quiet and wait till the postseason because uh andre iguodala you are not washed as i so eloquently tweeted out um you know many many months ago uh in fact, you are there to dunk and dunk only on I guess I can take t- threes. He hit
1: some big threes. He in that, some big in threes in game I, I three can't lie either. But yeah, he, he really put the fear of God into uh into Houston to close that game, but they they managed to hang on.
0: Yep. Man. You got got another like the Warriors here in this last game, every single starter um over 40 minutes. It's just it's really come down to uh, being and granted, it was overtime, yeah, yeah. But, uh, it's like this, it's it's really about your starters, it's really not about the bench guys. Uh, except uh, I'd like to pose something to you, Ethan, if, if, okay. if you don't mind. Okay, Austin Rivers, how I mean, he didn't play game one. How have you, like, do you think that, um, with him, he was the leading minutes guy off the bench for uh, for the Rockets in this most recent game. Uh, you know, you look at the point totals, you're not going to see tons, you know, eight points, but is he someone out there who you can expect to contribute a little bit more? And does, is he one of their midseason acquisitions? Is he someone who maybe can help them as you know, they're trying to even the series and go on to win it. He's
1: a good defensive irritant. You know, he, he's going to bother you. He's not scared to use his fouls because he's out there literally to play hard and, you know, take the shots that James gives to him. And the best thing about him, it's the worst thing sometimes, but he's he's willing to shoot every time he catches the ball. And that's that's something that wasn't um, a problem. Like that wasn't – he never had a problem with that. You know, some guys, you got to coach them up to say, hey, no, we need you to catch and shoot. We need you to be ready to, to shoot. Like it doesn't matter if you're, you know, a forty, a forty percent shooter, or a thirty percent shooter. You're on this team. You get open shot. You shoot. Luckily, they didn't have to coach that too. But in terms of a Steph Curry defender, irritant, whatever. Like Austin Rivers plays an important role. And I, I, I said it when they signed him. I said this guy is a guy you, you know, you can throw out there and you can expect competent levels of basketball. Like you're not gonna, he's not gonna make an All Star team ever. He's never gonna, you know, win you a game with a third quarter explosion. But that guy's gonna go out there and play plays solid basketball on one end of the floor, at least.
0: Six for 10 from three in the two games he's played. Um, I want to see a little bit more of him.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I I, mean, at the expense of whom, though? Like, I'm not taking Eric Gordon, James Harden out. Like, honestly, Chris Paul is the guy who's played the worst in this series from my eye.
0: I mean, maybe, but, I mean, when you're having those moments where it's like, man, can we really play Clint Capella? I don't want to be bringing in, you know, Nene off the bench maybe it's something where you're going really small because well golden state is also going really small it's Um, it's, that's a fair
1: that's a fair analysis a Clint capella has this was his first game of any kind of decent play but he Mm -hmm. still was not very good in my eyes i am very frustrated at his just blah performances thus far i'm you know, we were talking about the Clint Capella-Andre Drummond thing earlier, and like, unfortunately I'm mad that that thought process got into my brain, because mm-hmm. now I am even more, like, it's just, it hurts me even more to watch Clint Capella, who whom I was ready to, you know, like, pump up and, you know, yeah. compare Bam to, but not, so Clint Capella is way too low of a, a ceiling for Bam, so <laughs> I'm, I'm over this already.
0: It's yeah, I mean, you're hoping that it's just uh, the respiratory infection thing. Wait, how long, how long can we use that as an excuse? I don't know.
1: I don't know. I've never had, I've never been sick, Richard.
0: I have, it's not great.
1: (laughs) That's true. You, you are, you are, I'm I'm an expert. Close to a dead man.
0: I, yes. Um, but overall point is, um, they were able to get one and, uh, Maybe you can't anticipate another complete Steph Curry awful game, but maybe Kevin Durant doesn't score forty-six points. Maybe he only scores thirty-five points, uh, and you know maybe, maybe someone team, else maybe struggles. The,
1: maybe the team doesn't shoot forty percent or so from the from three. You know, you got yeah. a chance.
0: Yep. So, um, Ethan mid mid midway predictions for this series. What do you think? Warriors in five. <laughs> in five. Can't even can't even do the courtesy of in six.
1: Yeah, I I mean like it, it took a lot for them to get the win. You know like I I, I would love to see it. I, I hope the Rockets win. Yeah. Um. But I mean like I, I guess like I said when we made the predictions from the very first week of the postseason, I said I'm going to pick what I what I th- what I think will and should happen, and that's what should happen. The Warriors shouldn't mess around with this team. They should just finish it off. Yeah. I'm
0: going six. That's fair. You know, the Clippers yeah, got,
1: got, got six, but you know, the, I think I feel like the Clippers didn't get any respect.
0: Yeah, they they did. Well, I, I mean I, I said they would get to five, so
1: there feel, you go. Feel a
0: little a little bit proud there, not not incredibly proud, but you know, it's what it a little, is. A little proud. A little proud. Um, let's move on uh to our last series, which mm. in my opinion is the most interesting one. Um just because I don't know if it's because you're in Portland and just because of the you know Surgeons of uh, the Blazers after the Nurkic injury, um, but two two now.
1: Uh, I think the biggest thing about this series makes it interesting is there's a lot of you know guys who between Jokic and Lillard who are like, yes, we need to pump these stars up. They're important too, and uh, like the media is going to take a run with them a little bit. But also, there's like you know, emerging star like a Jamal Murray who's you know played really w- well in this series so far. And then, you know, CJ McCollum, who people are obviously aware of, people have been trying to break him and Dan apart for years. Um, he's, but he's been showing out, he's, you know, uh, shown that his style of play is not, you know, not dead. Um, at the end of the day though, Richard, like what I what I said with this with this series is, you know, Portland can win every game in this series, which I you know, I stand by. Like they're they're the team that's gonna be, you know, pretty steady eddy about things and be in every game. But if Denver can't score has a game where they can't score, they can't win. And I think that was best um, best shown in game two when they struggled offensively. Mm-hmm. And I mean they made a they made a push with their offensive rebounding, but they played horrible that game. I I didn't really fear for the Blazers in those situations. But in these other games with the Denver's one and the four overtime game, which was ridiculous, you know, the Denver's offense played well. And I, th- I felt like the Blazers were always trying to keep up with them. And I think that's the key for Denver, the series, their offense has to show up. Nothing else really matters because if their offense plays well, they are, they have the ability to just outscore Portland.
0: Yeah. I mean, especially with other, not shooting extremely well from three. Um, he's, well, he's
1: not being very assertive. He's he's hunting shots versus um, you know letting the game come organically to him. He can turn downhill and get to the rim every time. Watch watch the end of games. There's there's opportunities for him to get to the rim, and, and for some reason early in the game he's not he's not g- getting there like aggressively. I, he he's been a little frustrating for me in this matchup because they're not attacking Murray, who they should attack all the time. Like they they run enough motion offense that they can get switches. Like I don't understand why they don't, you know, run that little motion motion to get to get to Murray and then attack that with Lillard or McCall. That's the frustration I've had.
0: No, it's true. Um, and Gary Harris has uh, done some work on Lillard. Um, oh I mean, yeah, he's just being on sure. be, be, um, being the defender there, and uh, it's I think that's been that's been helpful. And I think that they're just trying to not let Lillard get good looks from three, and uh, Lillard does have to make them pay by taking it to the hole. Um, the big, a big person that we've focused on a lot going into this series uh, and just in this playoffs is Enos Cantor. and uh, him with his shoulder being the way that it is. He's still getting, you know, decently big minutes, uh Yeah. Of well, the he big men, he's getting, he's getting one of the most yeah, and offensively he's been able to, to do something. And without him, the rebounding really suffers. Um, you yeah. look at the offensive rebounding, for the Nuggets—they've got 17 offensive boards today, and you know, mm. Cantor's the only one. He has, you know, he has eight defensive boards, and he's he's leading the entire team. and And so it's it's just one of those things that it's it's really difficult because when he's, you can tell he's also injured, and that's also probably limiting his rebounding a bit. But with with them not really having other options that they can go to, yes, Zach Collins goes in and gets a couple blocks. It looks nice, but. He can't be the one to play big minutes. It's it's a really difficult matchup for for Portland with with Enes Kanter being uh, being your big and but being injured as well. Like it's been difficult for there.
1: Yeah, no. No. Denver's averaging seventeen point seven five offensive rebounds a game in this series, and and that's it all as a result to you know between Millsap being really good at it, like. Mm-hmm. Jokic being too big for people to handle. And then also like they just they have they have the depth to to send their their guards to the yep. to the rim. Like Gary Harris, Will Barton, Malik Beasley, all those guys are getting you know nice minute rotations where they can play hard the entire time. CJ McCollum and Damon Lillard, I, I love them to death. They're playing really well on offense. They got they have to carry the team there. Those guys are not ones to put the butt in the their in their guy and box out. They're looking, they're they're watching the ball hoping someone grabs it and then they're going to come and get it. And that, that works most of the time. But this team, the Nuggets are super aware that we don't have a – the Blazers don't have an off, a defensive rebounder. They yeah. don't have Nurkic taking up the entire lane when he boxes out, and that's the problem.
0: And a lot of the time as well, it's, you know, Edis Cantor's out, and if he's guarding Jokic, then your number one rebounder's out of the picture as well. Yeah. And and so it's it's really – it's just difficult. That uh, this is where you get those guards able to fly in and and really be unimpeded and getting getting those boards, um, and that's you know this Jokic, Cantor matchup is what is causing everything that's going right for the Nuggets to happen. Um, whenever you've got these uh, these you know, dribble handoffs and and pick and rolls up at the top, um, a lot of the times you end up seeing guys trying to rotate and and help out Cantor in in these rotations uh, as as they should and it's leading to some open shots from from other guys on the outside and so it's just difficult it's a difficult matchup but uh i think if you know dame willard can can uh shoot a little bit better which i know he can and if you know guys like cj mccollum can can keep it up and uh you know you can still you're still getting something from the bench from someone on the bench then you know they they can definitely win this series.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's you know both teams have shown they can win on the road. So yep. this game, this series could be over in six. It could go seven, and either team could win. That's where we're at with this series. Ultimately, you're right. It's just keeping keeping those guards from and and Millsap from killing us on the offensive boards, and I think just forcing Jokic to be a scorer. Now they've shown Jokic had in game one was the offensive yeah, he he carried the team with scoring and at, like ultimately I think that's the way to go down though is making making him be a scorer but to keep in mind we played Myers Leonard in that game or yeah. the Blazers played Myers Leonard that game and that was obviously a mistake but today we saw Jokic play from all areas of the four scoring 21 to uh, 12 rebounds and 11 assists and I think this is their preferred way of winning with with Murray getting a lot of catch and shoot opportunities and also working in the pick and roll I I I want Jokic to have the ball in his hands, and I want you to not help off as much, and force him to score. I think that's n- not his number one strength.
0: Yeah. Um. If I'm Denver, uh, first of all, I am very happy with uh, you know, Jamal Murray hitting lots of shots. You know, because he's one of those guys where he will, he's going to take a lot of shots regardless. Yeah. And um, it's for him. It's good that they're all going in. Uh, him getting to the line a lot in this game. That was uh you know, really helpful. Uh well, yeah, well, he took like
1: eight free throws in the final
0: yeah. Final um,
1: two minutes.
0: But he made all of them.
1: He and, did. Well that's what I'm saying. Like it's not like he was like just a like, super aggressive pro all game. Mm-hmm. Like, I just like you know for the listeners who are just you know box score checking, I wanted them to be aware that he got like eight of his eleven free throws in the final two minutes. And, so, uh, foul game for six of them.
0: With Murray playing as well as he is, I mean you you need that. Uh you look at some of the other guys they're just not getting scoring like will barton had had himself uh, a little section in the game where he knocked down the threes yeah. um and that was helpful but 30 minutes 4 for 14 from the field not not great um nope. offensively you know tory craig gave you one random three pointer at some point in the game when he was wide open mm-hmm. and really yeah, he's,
1: he's just he's not he's so there for bro- defense he got hit in the face, and he's. I mean, I'm glad he's able to play without the mask because he couldn't mm-hmm. see, apparently. But he's definitely doesn't have the same nose for the ball right now, based mm-hmm. on um, just his mobi- like the way he looked in tonight's game.
0: I want to see, and I know that he's struggled to not foul um, in this series, but I want to see some more Malik Beasley. Um, uh, I've, we've seen him uh, a little bit. I want to see a little bit more if I am. Uh, if I'm Denver, where, while I have been giving, you know, Will Barton uh, a lot of minutes and I just rather see a little bit more of uh, Malik Beasley personally.
1: I do, I do think um, Barton is playing the role of a facilitator. I, I think Monte Morris has been very yeah. underwhelming this series, like yeah. even even just the size of CJ McCollum. And, and Dame would kind of eat him up, and that's that's wild to see. I thought he was definitely a way more under-control player than how he's his thing. And so I think Will Barton's minutes uh, bump is because Morris has not had anything going for him. And in that regard, Barton is a better facilitator than Beasley. He, he can definitely get down to the second level of the defense, whereas Beasley really is a catch-and-shoot threat or a one-dribble-dunk threat.
0: But if, but if I've got Jokic and I've got Jamal Murray – what do I need any other facilitators for, well, in all, honestly?
1: I I would have stopped you at Jokic. Uh, Jamal Murray is not a facilitator I know, but in his like, own
0: right. This is this is true, but you play the point guard role, you can make a pass. Like the p- point is, um you really don't need anyone else. I don't s- quite see the need for I'd rather have just someone else who can who can shoot, who could score, who can cut. Um, gotcha. and so I just want to see more Beasley personally.
1: Perfect example of Richard saying what the what the what he wants to see, and I'm explaining why what happened happened. So there you go, listeners. A little little give and take on what's happening and what we'd like to see. Because I don't disagree with you, Richard. I'm just explaining why these things occur.
0: Now, Ethan, um, Al Farouk Aminu. he's great. Sometimes, sometimes. Point is, he for them in this game. He was he was big. He it was a good game for him. Uh, you know, he's. Because they are small, they're without Nurkic. He's playing the power forward, and he's he, he's got eight boards. Uh, eight boards today, had 19 points. Uh, yeah, he's a minus 15. Who cares? Plus, minus, whatever. Um, for me, he's their guy who's going to be... He, his contract's up after this season. And if I'm Portland, I'm doing whatever I can to hold on to him. Yeah, because you've got zero avenue to improve. Uh, Just with with, with the way the contracts are going, you've got no way that you can improve your roster. If you let him go, this is one of those things where you let him go for nothing. In some situations, uh, if you let a player walk, you let the player walk and you get cap space from it. This is not one of those situations. Uh, If you let him go, then you are just avoiding the tax. But with the ownership being the way that it is, who knows what kind of uh a situation they're going to be in if it's me i'm just getting him because i know hey i got a couple of contracts to come off the books uh in a year or so yeah um and maybe i can find a taker for them this off season someone who strikes out for agency just says hey we'll we'll take him for a pick or something but, i don't know I, you yeah. got to keep him in my opinion you got to keep Alfaru Kuminu.
1: No, there. You have to. He's he's so important. And and if you don't believe he's important, let's just look at like his potential replacements that are currently on the roster. If if he's not playing power forward, it's Mo Harkless, who we see get bullied constantly on the inside. I like Mo Harkless. He's a very decent player, but he definitely does not have the size to play power forward consistently. Like I mean, who has all season long? Uh, Scalabba? While well, I love him, he honestly if he needs to beef up and be a center because his lateral mobility is not there at the power forward. Myers Leonard? Uh, no, he's a marketing chip. as that? That's it. Jake Lehman, he honestly is, is really well suited to be a three. You know, he, he can go up and get out of oops and he's a pretty solid catch and shoot threat. That's what his position is. Unfortunately, um he can't he doesn't play defense well enough to be a postseason player, from what I'm guessing is Terry Stotz's um, reasoning. Evan Turner, trash, can't play power forward, can't play small forward, can't play basketball at this stage of his career. Um honestly, like he's, he's just it's just bad. And then Rodney Hood, you know, 6'8", but he's not a power forward. He's, just, he's a two-guard. He's played well this series, but he's not going to help you with the rebounding problem, and he's not going to help you on the defensive end. And so ultimately you're left with, okay, well, can Zach Collins be a power forward? Well, yeah, he probably can, but should he? No. You you want him being a center. You want him to beef up as well. But, like, that's honestly your replacement if he walks and we don't get a player in the draft to play a position. Maybe a P.J. Washington out of Kentucky if he slides that far is, like, legitimately the only – the only replacement option that I see available.
0: I mean, because otherwise you're trying to bring guys in the minimum and I'm sorry, power forward is just not that deep in free agency this year. Um, it's, it's, it's a rough time to be looking for that specific position. Um, well,
1: in, in the interest of helping, helping a team out, like maybe Kelly Olinick for um, Myers Leonard and a little, a little taste of a draft pick can be something they can exercise. But you know, the thing, the same thing, Kelly Olinick should be a center too.
0: Here's the thing. If, if, Free agency comes, and they don't sign Al and Paul Millsap goes. You know, if, if they pick up the team option on Paul Millsap, Al Faruq is the best power forward on the market, and you're just letting him walk.
1: Yeah, but ultimately, if he can get more money somewhere else, like that's it's, it's his prerogative. I think <laughs> he true. really, I think he likes his role in Portland. Um, like he, but it, it comes like he, you know, he's the first team that has given him like you know a stable role. But yeah, I mean, the guy comes with that many years he's been in the league. But ultimately, it's his choice. Uh, I I really think he's got the Blazers over the over the over the barrel there, and I think he I think he stays. I do because I think the Blazers will will buck up.
0: You need um, to give him the bag, Ethan.
1: Give him the bag. I I'm I'm here for it. I like I like Chief. He's really good, really solid. Yep. And if if there comes to be a cap saving move time. Um, I know a team in Miami who will send you out like a little bit smaller contracts and take on that Evan Turner money um yeah. for one season.
0: Um oh no, I just I just saw I saw a flash before my eyes and <laughs> here's what I, here's what I saw. I saw them say, you know what? Let's go ahead and and uh we're just gonna let him go. We're gonna trade um uh Evan Turner for uh oh no. Deion Waiters. No, not Dion Waiters because he's not gonna fill the power forward gap. Kelly Olinick. Kelly Olinick or honestly, Kelly Linick wouldn't be awful.
1: Um I mean, if you, especially if you don't want to bring Kanter back, he plays that backup. I mean, top. between him and Collins, you have a three, a, a, a four or five that you know makes up minutes, especially if Nurkic is struggling to come back from his injury. But I mean at the end of the day, Richard, it's just it's just tough. When you when you're up against attacks and you got two players making twenty seven million dollars between the two of them, and both of them are unplayable.
0: All unplayable. Right. Here's what's gonna happen. Ownership needs to fork over the money for this off season. Just just do it. Just do it.
1: I agree, and it's you pay the luxury tax one year, right? And yep. then you go back under and you avoid the repeater tax. That's all you gotta do.
0: Yep. That's all you gotta do. And um, uh, with how this year has gone, Ethan, one Rodney Hood. Oh yeah, two, he just played,
1: he just played himself off the team.
0: Played himself off the team. I'll, let me tell you in a good way. What he did, he played himself into the Pistons, offering him the full mid level exception. Ethan, that's what he did. He put Pistons are going to offer him that, or I mean,
1: yeah, he, he makes sense for you guys, though.
0: Yeah, theoretically, I know that it's going to be one of those times. It's going to be the things like where, where we're going to offer it to him because we, we need some wing who can create, and um, he's going to kind of fit the bill out there for not getting him or Jeff Green, you know, some of those types of guys, and uh.
1: All right, and with that note, I'm done because you brought the Pistons for like the third time.
0: I am. Is Seth Curry? I'd like to see him on the squad as well. How yeah. he's shooting. It's yeah. You,
1: you, Seth Curry is a, a legitimate. Um, you guys should want him because he's a perfect little, you know, point guard sized shooter next to Blake Griffin.
0: Backup point guard. We can get get rid of Smith, bring him in. Luke Kennard, our primary ball handler. Um, but then you know we we can have Seth Curry there as well. It's it's beautiful, Ethan. I'm excited. Good luck. <laughs> We're done with the business. All right, guys. Um we'll check in sometime later. Um again, don't forget to root for seven game series rest of the way, everyone.